God is great, and he is greatly to be praised. I want to encourage the church today, something that I feel is very, very important. I wrote a little piece, some of you may have picked up on it, went on Facebook, I think, um, Thursday morning, I think it was, and uh, this week has been uh, kind of a, a difficult week, very tiring. Uh, my neighbor man passed away on Monday morning. I was kind of involved with the beginning of that uh, process and all. But um, Thursday morning, I was uh, my alarm went off at the usual time. Most generally, I'm awake before the alarm goes off, but it was 5.45. And I looked over at that thing with one eye open. <laughs> Already? But what I wrote was, I'm, I was tempted. Mm-hmm. Mr. Gene, I was tempted to mm-hmm. shut the thing off and turn it over. It's on my phone, of course. So I wouldn't be bothered with the light and just sleep a little bit more. I was tempted. But I didn't yield to temptation. I began to think about everybody that could need my prayer that day. Somebody that may be subjected to some dangerous situation in their life and they needed divine protection. Begin to think of those that are backslidden and they need someone to pray for them. Whether there's anybody else doing that or not, I don't know. But I know that at that moment I began to feel such a tremendous obligation to get out of the bed and go to my place of prayer and begin to talk to God about those that need him so desperately in their lives. Amen. Not only do I have an obligation, not only does your pastor have an obligation, but you have an obligation. You are a child of God. Before we are ministers and preachers and teachers and all of that, we are first of all Christians. And as Christians, all of us need to fulfill our obligation, not just to God and not just to ourselves but to the lost world around us. Amen? Amen. I have remembered so many, many times the words of uh, Samuel as he was resigning from his position of priest and prophet and, and, and all. And he was very discouraged with his people. They had gone back on God. They were worshiping images and idols. And he said, far be it from me to cease to pray for you. Even in the midst of his very disturbed spirit and his disappointment with his people, he did not want to uh, be negligent in his responsibility to pray for them and to remember them before the Lord. I hope that all of us will be very, very cognizant of our responsibility and uh, pray and talk to God about those that need Him. Amen? Amen. Uh, I don't know what God will do, but I know what God can do. Amen? Amen. 
But we pray as we studied this morning for the will of God to be done in our lives. Yes. And I can tell you without any doubt whatsoever, it is the will of God for you to get up in the morning and pray. Right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That is the will of God. Yes. Amen. It really is. That is the will of God. Hallelujah. Sister Jesus putting up for us a passage of scripture out of the book of Matthew chapter 25. And if you would like to turn in your Bible, fine. If you want to just read it off the screen, that's fine. But we're going to be reading a rather long portion of scripture this morning, but it will be the background for what God has put in my heart to share with you today. Would you just bow your head and let's just, uh, uh, let's just ask God to bless his word to our hearts today, to work in our lives through his word today, to operate on our lives, to do a little surgery maybe in our lives to help us to be what we need to be for God. Lord, Lord we bow our heads one more time in humility to you, in honor to you, in submission to you, Lord, and ask you to use your word to minister to our hearts, minister in our lives, and give us something of a profound nature, Lord, that we can carry with us through this whole week, that will be a guiding light in our lives, perhaps for the rest of our lives. We give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Title of the message today is The Bridegroom Cometh. The Bridegroom Cometh. Amen. Thank you. Reading from Matthew 25, beginning with verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, Not so, lest there, not, lest there be not enough for us and, and you, but go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, Open to us, but he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. May God bless this word to our hearts today. This is a very long passage, and there are so many things that we can extract from this for our own personal spiritual benefit. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> One of the most exciting days for a couple is that day when they are to be married. It is an exciting day. 
And Brother Camarillo remembers that day so well. Oh, my. I wonder how much preparation Sister Shannon did that day before she walked down the aisle to give herself to this man to be his wife. It is an exciting day. You remember it, Lorenzo? Huh? Elena, you still remember that day? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. What an exciting day. What an exciting day. And we are looking forward to the day when we as a church and the bride of Christ shall be joined to him in an everlasting relationship in the new Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Yes. But I want to talk to us this morning basically about what we need to do to participate in that day. Yeah. Amen. My neighbor man passed away, not a Christian, very, very far removed from anything spiritual at all. But yet his widow said to me, day or two later, well, Tom's in heaven. Well, it would be good if that's the way it was. I will never say contrary to her, but you know, there is a preparation that we must do if we're going to make heaven our home. Right. And I want to talk about some of these things today that are of eternal value. Do we understand the word eternal, of eternal value? It's not a preparation for tomorrow. It's not a preparation for a picnic on Saturday. Uh, it's not a preparation for a trip. It's a preparation for eternity. And how it becomes so vitally important for each one of us to understand that. It is, Josh, we've got one shot. We've got one life to live. That's all. There's not going to be a second chance. This life is it. We make it count or we lose all. And Jesus wanted us to understand some of these things as he gave us this parable. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Preparations. Things are planned for. Sister Shannon, you had to choose colors, didn't you? Huh? I don't know how much work you went through to change, to, 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 choose that wedding dress. Uh, there are women that go through just racks of wedding dresses. Oh, not this one, not that one, not this other one. Way back there when you got married, Sister Kathy, all of this wasn't so important as it is today, or it seemed like it anyway. Things were a lot more simple. But, you know, when we talk about the preparations that we need to become the bride yeah. of our heavenly groom, Jesus Christ. There are preparations that need to be made. Many times preparations are made uh, beginning months in advance to make sure that everything is ready for that day. Yeah. 
And as I've already mentioned, the bride has to choose her wedding attire. Oh my, and how they stress over that wedding attire. Huh? But you know, we've got to stress over our wedding attire as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good. We've got to be clothed upon with His righteousness. We cannot go into this relationship with Christ with just any old in any old way in any old manner. Imagine a bride walking into her wedding day with a tattered dress, dirty from the barnyard, you know, and with kind of a barnyard smell to it. I, I think that things might kind of go south real quick like. You know what, Let, let's put that into the proper scope this morning Come on. of our relationship with yeah. Jesus Christ. Come on, amen. I know that we have to live in this world, Brother Danny. We cannot escape this world. And all around us there is corruption, there is sin, there is degradation. And in the nostrils of God, all of this is a foul, undesirable smell. It is a stench in the nostrils of God. But somehow, even as we walk in this world, we've got to be clothed upon with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that when we come into his presence, there is a sweet savor, a sweet smell. When we come into his presence, uh, he receives us because we are not contaminated with all of the things of this world. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. It is difficult to allude to all of the preparations that a bride and even a groom, yes, may go to for that very special day. But uh, I want us to understand today that it is very important for us to, 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 to be prepared and to prepare ourselves for our wedding day with our groom, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. I knew a young lady, and uh, her youthful years had caused her, through I guess some probably some bad eating habits, to put on a lot of weight, and uh, she was going to get married, and she went on a very rigorous diet, I mean rigorous diet, and you could just almost see the weight melting off, and she had to change her wardrobe and get some smaller clothes because the old ones hang, hung on her like a sack. And so by the time her wedding day came, she was uh, really in a pretty good form. And uh, that was the sacrifice that she was willing to make to be able to present herself to her groom, to the one that she loved, yeah. a diet. Uh, and she eliminated many things from her diet uh, that would bring about the weight loss that she uh, desired to have. Let me tell you today, my friends, uh, there is a spiritual diet that we're going to have to go on. Yeah. Uh, 
that is going to get rid of some of the things out of our life that will not be acceptable to our group. Hallelujah. And it's not easy. It's not, uh, it's not the, the, the most uh, uncomfortable thing to do uh, to be on a diet. So I wanted to get our appetite stirred up already today talking about steak and eggs up here, you know. <laughs> My wife always accused me on fast days in our work in Brazil and in the church. She said, it never fails. Every time you call a fast day, then you teach a Bible study, and it's all about food. (laughs) Well, that will help you to prove whether you are really honest about fasting or not. You know, if you could sit there and listen to me without uh, saliva dropping off your chin, you know. Amen. Hallelujah. There are some things that you may need to diet out of your life. Some things that you may need to get rid of out of your life. To be a a, a bride that is acceptable to the one that you want to marry with. And and one of the things perhaps that that, uh, uh, distresses me is uh, the great importance that some people uh, give to uh, entertainment in their lives and and they just cannot live without entertainment without being entertained by music and films and movies and and all of that and and these things are sold to us by all of the media that's out there but sometimes we've got to say no 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 I'm not going to do that uh, I'm going to concentrate on God. I'm going to concentrate on my groom. Yes, I'm going amen. to prepare myself to be agreeable to him. I want to be accepted by him. Hallelujah. I don't want to try to walk into my wedding day smelling like the barnyard of this world. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And so I ask you this morning, what about the wedding attire? Are we truly ready for that great day? Jesus talked in another place, another parable, about a king who was giving a great marriage feast. And uh, the people didn't come that had been invited and... uh, And uh, so he said, go out into the highways and the byways and just invite people to come in. This did not mean that they could come in any way they wanted to come in. This was not a last hour thing. It was that the people had given their excuses for not being able to go with uh, a lot of uh, 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 warning. And so uh, he said, well, go out into the highways and the byways and invite those people to come in and to be a part. They had time to prepare themselves adequately. They knew what the customs were. They knew that it would be necessary to uh, be attired appropriately for a wedding feast. But suddenly the king spies a man there that is not attired properly for the occasion, he said, how have you come into this place? How have you dared to appear here, not dressed appropriately for this particular occasion? 
Let me tell you that no one is going to get into the marriage feast of the Lamb of God without being properly attired. Praise God. We hear a lot of churches today that uh, uh, they've just watered everything down and, and they have made it like everybody is welcome and everybody is going to heaven. And so what if you were a drunk? And so what if you were an adulterer? And so what if you stole from your neighbor and all of these things? Uh, you know, God is just going to open up heaven and you're all going to get in there. Well, I put up with those kind of people down here. I certainly don't want to go to heaven and have to put up with them all over again. Hallelujah. I want to go to a pure place, a holy place. Yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And that God is going to uh, make a lot of restrictions about who. God has already made a lot of restrictions uh, about who can and who cannot get in. I was very interested in a little Facebook quote this week uh, uh, talking about, you know, the wall on the southern border to try and shut down some of the illegal immigration and the drugs and the and uh, the human trafficking and all that kind of stuff that is going on. And they said, you know, even heaven has a wall and gates. Even heaven has walls and gates. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's not going to be any invasion of the new Jerusalem. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I would like to ask you to turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 22 and verses 11 through 12. And uh, this is what it says. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not a wedding garment, and saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Don't think you're going to stand before God someday and give all of your excuses as to why you did not repent of your sin because you were not baptized in his name or because you didn't live a holy life separated from the world. You will be speechless when you stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he has revealed that you are not properly attired for that occasion. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you that preparation is very, very important. And as a, a, a bride in this earth begins to prepare herself with a lot of anticipation. When I hear that somebody just fell in love and got married a week later, I think, "Mm mm-hmm. And it's not going to be long until there's going to be a divorce. And uh, that's usually what happens. Uh, There's got to be uh, a period of time when they become acquainted one with another. And uh, they really decide, this is going to be my life soul mate. Amen. I hope that you have made that decision with regard to God. That I love him. I am going to serve him. It's not going to be because everything goes just right in my life. Because he bestows a lot of blessings on me. Because he gives me a lot of gifts. And all of that sort of thing. I have seen young men endeavor to woo a young woman 
with a lot of gifts and they give a watch and they give rings and they give all kinds of jewels and uh, they give trips and just, you know, spend elaborate amounts of money uh, endeavoring to woo that young lady. Uh, but if she is a wise young lady, she is not fooled by all of those things. Uh, she is going to choose a man that is going to truly love her and uh, decide to stay with her. And our Lord Jesus Christ is interested in those that will promise to give their lives to him forever. Hallelujah. It's not an experiment. Well, if everything goes right, I'll live for God. And if not, well, uh, hey, uh, I'll be on down the road. It's not like that. It's going to have to be a life commitment to the Lord. Now, there are those who have prepared more than others. And it was with the ten virgins that came. Now, please understand that the Bible uses the word virgins. And if I can be so bold as to give a rather uh, literal, maybe Philip Walmer translation into this this morning. uh, These are virgins. These are pure young women. These are young women that uh, have not... uh, Uh, been involved in any of the worldly activities. They are virgins. And uh, they are friends of the bride. They know her. And uh, they uh, have decided to, uh, at the invitation of the bride, to accompany her on her very beautiful, wonderful wedding day. But not all of them were wise. Five were wise and five were just a little bit foolish uh, and did not adequately prepare themselves uh, for the eventualities that were to occur on that night when they waited to the midnight hour for the coming of the groom. Uh, I I, I see uh, people today who in a spiritual sense uh, are living on the edge They are seeing how close they can walk to the world and still stay in the church. You know, they're just kind of right on the edge, you know, and just, you know, teetering there on the edge. And unfortunately, I've seen too many of them fall off the edge and get away from God and begin to do those things that are not pleasing to God. I remember the story of of a, a bus company in Europe that was endeavoring to find uh, drivers for their buses and they lived in a very mountainous uh, region as a lot of Europe really is and very dangerous mountains and narrow mountain roads and narrow mountain passes and uh, each driver that came and went out for his test uh, each one of them would try to prove to their inspector how close to the edge they could drive and not fall off and finally there was that other driver that came and he hugged the wall. He didn't get any ways near the edge. He was the one that got the job because he was not foolish trying to prove that he could drive so close to the edge. Don't try to prove to God that you can walk close to the world and not fall into the world and his traps. Try to get away as far away from the world as you can so that you are uh, in a satisfactory position for the Lord. 
So it was that on this particular occasion, the groom, he did not say, I'll be there at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. He just said, I'm coming. I will arrive. I will be there. I don't know what time, but I will be there. And I don't know if he delayed to see if his bride would wait for him or not. Think about that. Huh? Is the Lord delaying his coming just to see if we really will wait for him? If we will wait for him with patience. If we will wait for him preserving ourselves for him when he does come for us. And so he arrived much later than what he expected, or at least uh, a, a lot later than what those that were waiting for him expected. He, Jesus told us that he would not give us, he could not give us uh, the day nor the hour. Uh, the disciples said, well, uh, what's going on here now? Are you going to set up your kingdom now? He said, that's not for me to determine. Well, when's it going to be? I don't know, Jesus said. I don't know. That's in the hands of my heavenly Father. He will determine the right day, the right hour. They lived their lives in expectancy in that first century that the Lord would return for them. And particularly as they went through great trials and tribulations, and many of them, hundreds and perhaps thousands of them, were killed in the the arenas all across the Roman Empire as their faith was persecuted. They were hated of all nations for the name of the Lord. And perhaps they thought, well, at any moment now, the Lord is going to come. Paul and John and Peter and Titus and others wrote such encouraging words uh, uh, to uh, the saints at that time for them to be patient and for them to wait for the coming of their bridegroom. Hallelujah. And uh, encouraging them to not give up and to not lose faith. Amen. Praise God. Now, the Bible says that finally uh, the announcement was made. Uh, the groom is coming. He's approaching. It's not going to be long and he's going to be here. And the ten virgins arose and the Bible says they trimmed their lamps. Now I know that when the trumpet sounds in the last day and the Lord appears in the clouds of glory to receive his church, there's not going to be any time for us to prepare our lives. There's not going to be any time for repentance. There's not going to be any time to be baptized. There's not going to be any time to seek after and be filled with the Holy Ghost. There's not going to be any time to renew yourself in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Praise God. Because in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, those that are ready, here now and gone the next moment. Hallelujah. But we are announcing to you today... We are saying to you today, the bridegroom is coming. Hallelujah. And it's time for you to trim your lamp. Some of you may not understand. Some of you may not understand that lamp trimming. I remember it because uh, there were severe winters in the country where I grew up. And sometimes the lights went out. uh, And we had what we called coil lamps, kerosene lamps. uh, And there's this 
this bowl down below and there's a wick in there and and the wick comes up through a little device that you can raise it and lower it uh, but after it burns for a little while it gets some ash on there and, and some black on there that that uh, tends to uh, make the flame not as bright and not to give as much uh, illumination in the room as what you want. Uh, and it's necessary to put out the flame just a little bit there and trim that off uh, and, and, and get that down to the new wick and suddenly you've got a brighter light. Yeah. Uh, I want to tell you today, my friend, uh, it's time to trim your wick, uh, your yes. spiritual oh, wick. Oh, hallelujah. It's time to get out your nothing to my spiritual well-being. Hallelujah. I want my light to be burning brightly. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. The five foolish discovered upon awaking from their sleep that they did not have enough oil. Now, some of the translations say their lamps are gone out. Others say that they were going out. But it makes very little difference because the important thing is that the scripture teaches that they did not bring any extra oil. How much have you got of God, Holy Spirit? Just enough to get by? Come on, talk Come on. Just, just enough for one more little feeble step. Come on. Just enough to kind of cripple down through life. Maybe kind of wobbly, maybe kind of tripping a little. I hope that you are full of God's Spirit. Full of God's Spirit. Full of God's Spirit. Full of God's Spirit. Where you feel strong. Yeah. Where you feel robust in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Where you feel like you can run through a troop and jump over a wall. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Like you feel that there is nothing that you cannot do Come for on. God. There is no temptation that is too great for you. Because you are full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Praise God. Yes. How is it that you're going to be full of the Holy Ghost? You're going to be full of the Holy Ghost when you are faithful in your Bible reading. Excuse me. I know I always hit that key. Bible reading. Yank, 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 yank. I know that sometimes you may get tired of the yank, 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 yank. But I know what Bible reading does for me. I know how it encourages my soul. I understand how it renews my faith. I understand how it gives me new and renewed strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
and how beautiful it is to bow our knees before God in prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And to have that place of prayer, that place where you go on a regular basis to pray and to seek God. Hallelujah. And when you get there, God meets you there. And Sister Kathy, when you get there, you kind of feel like Jesus said, well, I've been waiting for you. I'm glad you've come today because I want to hear what you have to say. And I got some things I want to say to you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 And when you have participated in that kind of Bible reading, when you have participated in those kind of prayers, you become renewed in the Holy Ghost. And you feel like you are invincible because of the power of God that lives within you. What a sad state for these five foolish virgins. Oh, my lamp's going out. There's just a little flicker of flame here now. Oh, my friend today, I hope that your flame, that the flame of the Holy Ghost that is burning off of the oil of the Holy Ghost is not flickering today, but it's burning bright. Hallelujah. It's a strong flame. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That not only illuminates your life, but illuminates the lives of the others as well. Hallelujah. Now, those foolish virgins had to go out and acquire oil from those who sold. Now, I understand perfectly that we don't buy the Holy Ghost. Simon tried that over in the book of Acts, huh? And uh, he got thoroughly chastised by Peter. Who do you in the world do you think you are that you can buy the gift of God? You don't buy the Holy Ghost, but we seek for it. Uh, or perhaps we can say we buy it uh, uh, with the sacrifice of our prayers uh, and uh, our dedication to God. But uh, it's not something that's going to be done at the last hour. And they went. And remember, it's midnight. I don't know who in the world they woke up to buy more oil. But uh, they probably had one storekeeper that was pretty upset with them, asking for a dish of oil at midnight and getting him up out of his bed. Oh, my friend, let us be sure that we take care of these things at the right hour. Hallelujah. And again, I repeat this morning, uh, let's try to make it a habit uh, to get up just a few minutes earlier every day uh, and spend some time in the presence of God uh, and renew ourselves in the Holy Ghost, uh, in that private prayer, uh, in that prayer in our home. And you know, uh, that, that prayer, that prayer is so important because it not only strengthens you, but it, bring, it brings the presence of God into your home. Hallelujah. Your home needs to be a place where God dwells. Hallelujah. Uh, the presence of God in your home needs to be so powerful that even people that walk by on the sidewalk in front of your house feel, wow, that. That's a different house. Yes. I don't know what's going on there, but I feel something different when I walk by this house. Hallelujah. There's a little bit of a spiritual speed bump that's in front of your house that causes people to notice that something is different about your house. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. Our houses need to be the place where God dwells. And when you pray and when you seek his face, hallelujah, God's presence comes into your home, hallelujah, and he abides there with you, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, these five first foolish virgins, they were friends of the bride. I, I had always had a little bit different vision of this until some recent study. And I came to understand that these were not ten virgins sitting alongside the road somewhere waiting for the groom to come by. These were ten virgins that were sitting outside of the bride's house. They were waiting for the groom to come. They were going to just get up and go in. Where is it you abide? Do you live at the gate of heaven? At the groom's house? Now the interesting thing here is that when they returned after having purchased oil, who answered, who answered from inside the barred door of the house was the groom. They're saying, let us in. Take the bar down. We want to get in. They didn't have all those fancy locks like we have today with keys and all of that sort of thing. They just put bars over their doors. Okay? Take down the bar. We want to get in. We're friends of the bride. I don't know you. And he didn't because they were friends of the bride and not his friends. I want you to listen carefully to me this morning. This is something that I felt from God. There are many who are friends of the bride. They're friends of the church. They sit on the seating in the church. They are present in the church. They sing the songs of the church. They listen to the messages that are preached in the church. And they can say, I go to such and such a church. And they can even quote you some scripture. And, and it, it would appear that they are great great saints of God. But the groom said to them, I don't know you. That's frightening. Now if they had gone in with the others, everything would have been fine. But they weren't prepared to go in. And there are many today who are friends of the church. They are as faithful as they can be. They're in service every time that Sunday rolls around. Maybe on Wednesday night on Bible study. Maybe. But not always. Maybe. Do they really know the groom? That's the important thing. Do you know the groom? We've got to know him. Paul, out of the agony of his soul and after so much sacrifice and 
and preaching and establishing churches and doing all of those things. And, and, you know, far more than any of us have done. Yet he cries out and says, that I may know him. That I may know him. It's important that I know him. He is the one that is going to give us access into his kingdom. We've got to know him. We've got to be known of the groom if we're going to get in to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tens of thousands will attend church today. Tens of thousands. I was praying early this morning. I said, God, in the East Coast, there's probably a lot of people that are up and showered and dressed and they're in their cars already. They're already on their way to church and some of them may even be at church already. It's 9 o'clock. It's 9.30. They're already there. And so across the country, uh, as the hour has advanced, uh, uh, tens of thousands uh, will have set in churches all across our country, uh, some in large congregations, some in small rural congregations. Uh, but I, my question is, in my mind, uh, out of those tens of thousands, uh, how many of them that attended service today or are attending service yet today are really ready for the coming of the Lord, the bridegroom of the church. How many of them are really ready? And so it is that we must ask ourselves the question, am I really ready for the coming of the Lord? Amen. Let's not live in illusion, my friend. Let's not fool ourselves, but let's have, uh, let's not have false hope, but let us have uh, a certainty about us that we are really ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, we read these words. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Have you noticed that scripture before? But he that doeth the will of my Father which it is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in their name. What's that mean, prophesied? It means I've preached. I've preached. I've testified. I've given witness. All right? And in thy name, I've even cast out devils. In thy name, I've done many wonderful works. And then he will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's frightening. We've got to know him. We've got to live for him. We've got to keep our life pure and holy and clean and acceptable to him at all times. Amen. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 gives us the parable of two houses built by two different builders. One was built on the sand and another was built on the rock. And the Bible tells us that the the winds came and the waters came and the the floods came against those houses the one on the sand was washed down the river and it disappeared but the one that was built on the rock stood steadfast i saw some video clips just this week 
of the tremendous floods that have been happening this week in the nation of Bangladesh. I saw pictures of houses being washed away and down the torrents of water that have poured through the cities. How sad it is to see people's houses and all of their things perishing in those kinds of natural disasters. And my friend, even of greater sadness is going to be those uh, who may have sat on a church pew uh, for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Uh, and in the end, they're not saved. Uh, they didn't prepare themselves. Uh, they did not fill their lives with the Holy Spirit. Uh, they did not renew their experience in God. Uh, they received the Holy Ghost at some time in the past. Uh, oh, thank God I got it. And, and they're not interested in renewing their experience with God in a, 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 a private time of prayer and seeking after God. The Apostle Paul writes to us in the book of First, Second Corinthians, that is chapter 13 and verse 5, and said, examine yourself. Yeah. Examine yourself. Right. Praise God. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except ye be reprobates. My friend today, how is it that you're going to examine yourself? You're going to examine yourself. When you bring yourself, you get yourself by the scuff of your neck and you bring yourself to your prayer time and you force yourself to get down before God and say, God, I'm here today in your presence. I want yes, you to speak amen. into my life. God, I want you to shine your light in your life. will repent of what's wrong, Lord, because I want to be right. Hallelujah. And help me, God, to examine myself. Show me what's in me, O oh God. And if you want to read more about that, go to the book of Psalms, chapter 51, and I'm not taking time to read any of that this morning. But I do want to relate to you an experience that I had 60 years ago. Sixty years ago, I had just graduated from, Bible, uh, from uh, high school. And a couple of weeks ago, I just attended the 60th class reunion. What an off-the-wall experience that was. I couldn't understand what in the world I was doing there with all of those old people. <laughs> My family had been through a very difficult financial time. I don't know how in the world my dad and mom did it. I look back on it and I, I wish that I had understood more. I wish that I had been more grateful for what they did for me. And not just for me, but for maybe several thousand people that through our influence have come to know the Lord, have been strengthened in the Lord. But they decided to go to camp meeting that year. It was cleared on the other side of the state. It was a long ways away. There was fuel to buy. There were uh, camp registrations to pay. I don't know how they did it. Uh, my mother had just been through major surgery, and, and back in those days, there was no health care. Uh, you, you embraced your own bills. Uh, you paid your own hospital stay. You paid your doctor. Uh, 
Uh, we didn't have Kaiser back then, Sister Kathy. Uh, it didn't exist. Uh, and, uh, and so I know that it must have been a very difficult thing. Uh, but they decided to go. Uh, and what a great time it was for me. Uh, but I'll never forget in one of those services, uh, there was such an anointing of the Holy Ghost on the minister. And he said, I, he had all of us stand. He said, now I want all of you who know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are ready to meet the Lord. Should he come at this moment to come and stand with me on this platform? Wow. I stood there. And I examined my heart. And I examined my life. And I had a lot of retrospect of my life at that moment. And finally came the conclusion, yes, I have the right to go and stand on that platform with the rest of them. But there were so many that did not go up there. They stayed in their pews. They could not go up there in good conscience. They knew they were not ready should the Lord return at that moment. And I want you this morning to reflect in your life. Are you ready should Jesus come as we bring this service to a close this morning? Are you ready to go? Have your sins been repented of? Are you living a holy and pure and sanctified life in the presence of God? Hallelujah. I want to encourage you to stand with me at this moment. I want to encourage you to look into your own life. I want you to ask God to shine his light into your life. Hallelujah. I want you through the medium of prayer right now. Amen. To ask God to help you to examine your heart. To examine your attitude. To examine everything and ascertain whether you are really ready or not to meet the Lord. Are you tired of this world? Are you tired of this world? To the point of saying with absolute sincerity, even so come Lord Jesus. Does the coming of the Lord put joy in your heart or, or does it put fear in your heart? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am asking everyone in this place today, hallelujah, to examine your own heart in the presence of God. To examine to see if you're free of sin, of vanities, free of all of those things that impede us in our relationship with God. Oh, hallelujah. I can't examine you. I can't look in your heart. You know whether you are ready or not. You know to what degree you are filled with God's Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Say to God this morning, Am I ready, Lord? Am I ready, Lord? Am I ready? And Lord, if I'm not ready, show me in what area I'm not ready. Hallelujah.
Kiss your wife goodbye, you kiss your husband goodbye. You say to rain and fall, well, if I don't see you here, the Lord come while I'm on my job. I'll see you there. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Say it with conviction. Say it with full knowledge that you're ready and that she or he is ready. Hallelujah. Praise God. I think of families who take their children to school. My son takes his four girls to school every day. Due to their age differences, they, well, all of their schools are on the same campus. He stops in front of the high school and Lacey gets out, stops in front of the junior high and Savannah gets out, stops in front of the other school and Lena and this year Farrah get out. She's in the first grade. Hey kids. We don't see each other here again. We'll meet on the other side in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. May we live with that certainty. May we live every day with that knowledge that it could be today that the Lord returns. It could be today. Hallelujah. Well, you're tempted to involve yourself in something that is not pleasing to God. Say, no, I'm not going to do that. Because the Lord may come before I would have a chance to repent of that that I have done. No, I don't want you to live in fear. But I do want you to live ready. I don't live in fear. I live ready. Temptations come to all of us to do those things that are not pleasing to God. But when we have the indwelling Spirit of God within us, that Spirit convicts us and leads us and guides us and shows us what is wrong and what is right and what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And so that's why it is so important that we begin our days talking to God, God leading today. Hallelujah. Lift your hands with me one more time. God in heaven, I do not know the spiritual condition of every heart that is in this place. I don't know it, Lord. I don't know it. There may be some here, Lord, who don't even know their own spiritual situation. They really don't know if they're ready to go or not, Lord. They just really don't know. Oh, God, somehow deal with each one of us individually, Lord. Help us, Lord, to put everything up to date with you. Lord, God, it is so important. 
Receive the Holy Ghost. 
I want to encourage you every day. To get up and kneel beside your bed and say, God, fill me with thy Holy Spirit. Fill me with thy Holy Spirit, Lord. The same spirit that dwelt in Jesus Christ dwells in your mortal body. You will be raptured, transformed. You will become <coughs> absolutely new. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We've got to have your spirit moving in us. Oh God. Give us the fullness of thy Holy Spirit, Lord. Give us the fullness of thy Holy Spirit, Lord. Not just some little touch of God. Not just some little joy that makes us think that we're ready. Give us, oh God, the fullness of thy Holy Spirit, Lord. <coughs> Perhaps you're a little embarrassed to be totally honest with God in this public place. But in your private prayer, wherever that is, in your home, Hallelujah. Just lay it all out before God. Tell God everything. Just ask God to give you the fullness of His Hallelujah. You can be renewed over and over and over again daily. Renewed and strengthened every day to walk with God. Hallelujah. close this morning, Lord. Make me ready, Lord. Make me ready, Lord. Make me ready. Make me ready. How many of you have heard the word? I don't even know what it is in English. Maranatha. What is it, Linda? How you say it in English? Maranatha. Maranatha. Okay, thank you. What does it mean? The Lord's coming. Can we say, even so come, Lord Jesus? We ready? Praise God. Let's greet everyone this morning with Maranatha. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you.
Lord willing, we will gather tomorrow night in this place for a time of prayer, seeking after God. One more time, take the needs of the lost and the dying before God. I like what Brother Camarino said this morning that as we look into the Lord's Prayer, we see that the first things there, we talk to God and we talk about those things that are important to God. And that one part says, may thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. What is done in heaven? It is that heaven is concerned about the lost in this world. God's concern, and that needs to be our concern. So as we come tomorrow evening for prayer, let us express to God in a way that we understand what we have prayed for God to save souls. A brother, a sister, a mother, a dad, whoever it is. This is so, so very important. God bless you. Have a great day. Walk in the presence of God. May you feel his presence in your home, everywhere you go. May you have a good day tomorrow on your job. Your work environment may not be all that great, but you can just kind of create your own little bubble. Hallelujah. God with you. You feel his presence everywhere. Greet your neighbor. Maranatha. Hallelujah. Maranatha.